Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. <laughs> Beloved brothers and sisters, dear listeners, dear students, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Alhamdulillah, uh, with Allah's grace and fadl, you and I have been blessed to be gathered here today uh, for our session on, on the final ruku' of Surah Al-Mu'minun, and which we have began before Ramadan, beautiful uh, qualities of the believers, and what a journey it's been, mashallah, from the different qualities of the believers to the stories of the various prophets uh, to istidraj to uh, how um, the the blessings the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the ni'am of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concentrating on various things how we have to follow the truth and the truth will not follow us last week we focused on the various ways to combat the whispers of shaitan and just the uh, uh, the whole uh, science behind all of that on the waswasa and the uh, insinuations of shaitan Now we come to our last um, Portion of it And as always I will request everyone to uh, Make a dua And pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That Ya Allah whatever uh, I am going through in my life And whatever issues I am uh, going through Through the blessing of the Quran Ya Allah please allow those issues to be Addressed And so if we are sincere Then inshallah we will see that through the barakah and the blessing of this gathering We will walk away with something amazing Every one of us will walk away with something Tailored for our own needs And I know everyone comes here all the time With so many different loads of stress And worry and concern about things of this world Of family, relatives, job Or things of the future So if we come to the dars of Quran When we come to this lecture every week We should always be uh, speaking to Allah That Ya Allah you are the, the caretaker you are the one who has solutions to all my problems and the problems of the world. So allow my coming here as I'm studying the Quran and, and listening to it. Allow my situation to be, the solutions to my problems be spelled out. So if you, are, you and I are sincere in this, inshallah, it will happen. So remember last week, pretty much the focus of our, the dars was these two verses. I seek refuge in you from the, oh Allah, from the promptings of shaitan. And I seek refuge in you, ya Allah, from their presence. That's what uh, this was. And uh, now, if you remember, I said to you, the connection between that and death. Who remembers that? Any remember about death? Why we talked about the connection, promptings of shaitan and death? The final moment, exactly. The final moment, the most scariest moment when shaitan comes in is at time of death. And um, subhanAllah, it's, it's, it, I gave a story last time, but there are um, many stories. And it, that's why... Many of the ulama I have met, elders, scholars, they would always ask me and say, oh, please make dua. I'm like, what am I supposed to make dua? I'm a young student in front of you. And they would say, please make dua. Allah, please pray that Allah gives us a good death. It doesn't make a difference how 
you have spent your life, but what counts is the last final moments. Like the example, good example of this, is no matter how the game may have played out, you may have been winning by 15 points, 10 points, or even more. But the last three minutes, two minutes, last second, uh, when the buzzer goes off is what counts. Even if someone makes a winning shot, then you were, uh, the other team was trailing by 10, 15 points the entire 89.35 seconds. But last uh, 30 seconds, or last, not even 30 seconds, last three seconds, last two seconds, last one second. What happens at that time is what counts. Right? That's how it is in the dunya. The winning shot. So similarly, no matter how much a person has led a life of, of faith, but the final moments is what counts. And that's why a story comes of Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, oh no, sorry, Imam Razi, that he was a, a, one of the famous scholars of tafsir and famous, one of the best, well, most well-known Islamic philosophers. So it's mentioned in the books about him that at the time of death, shaitan came to him and started asking him, oh, so what is the logical proof of the existence of God? What is the logical proof of existence of Allah? So shaitan asked him this, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Imam Razi, he gave him an answer, one answer. Then shaitan, Iblis broke it. He broke that. It was a logical, you know, it's a logical uh, uh, presentation. So he broke it with another better piece of logic. So he broke it, and then Imam Razi gave a second answer. And then he broke that too. And he gave him a third answer. He broke that too. Fourth, fifth, sixth. Now he's, and imagine most of us are beyond two. We won't have any idea what to say. Some may not even go beyond one. But he was a famous scholar of tafsir and of one of the most well-known philosophers. He went all the way past 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. Imagine that, 90 logical proofs. All the way now he's nearing 100. And every time he says something, shaitan breaks it. So at this time, his shaykh was in another part of the town or far away. Just like a mother and son have a very strong, mother, son, daughter, whatever, mother and children have very strong relationship. It's proven through stories and through studies as well. Child will come back home, mother will say, what happened to you? Nothing. No, something happened to you three hours ago at 12 o'clock. And she said, I felt it. I just felt I knew something was going on. And sure enough, you find out that something did happen at school or something did happen at work. It's subhanAllah. Allah knows best how this works. But there's twins. There's studies on twins. That twins feel what each other are going through. Uh, they may be at the, at the other end of the world, but a twin will feel what another twin is going through. Any twins here? Maybe you can ask them. They'll tell you the story. No twins? Okay. But you know, it's true. You can ask if you know anyone. So here, similarly, the nisbah ta'alluq is between shaykh and student. Ruhani, spiritual ta'alluq. That if those people who have made dua for their students and who have spiritual connection for the students, when the student is going through tough times, the shaykh feels it. The teacher, mentor, feels it. So the shaykh was doing wudu with his lota, with his jug of water, he was pouring it. Allah Azza wa opened up to him the condition of his student, Imam Razi. That he's in the throes of death and he's having a back and forth with shaitan. Almost 100 proofs have been broken by Iblis. This is a very, very delicate time. Delicate time. So at that time, Imam Razi, Imam Razi Sheikh took his jug of water that he had, which he was performing wudu with, and he threw it on the ground. Just threw it in a state of extreme uh, you know, strength, trying to basically trying to pass on a strong message to the other end of wherever Razi Rahimullah was lying. And he said, tell him you believe in Allah without a proof. Tell him you believe in Allah 
without a proof. And that answer, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, conveyed it to the heart of Imam Razi. And he told Iblis, actually, you know what? I don't need a logical proof. I believe in Allah without a proof. It's called blind faith. What are you going to do about that? And subhanAllah, it's at that time that shaitan walked away. And Allah Azawajal gave him death and iman. So my beloved friends, the story is very telling. And some of you have gone through these type of scenarios. Uh, I have been approached by multiple students and attendees of the tafsir and others who tell me of incidents like this, that everything is fine and all of a sudden they go on a, a huge attack happens to them where they start thinking everything is fake. Islam is fake, Allah is fake, Audhu Billah, Quran is fake. And they realize that, we're, you know, that they're under a serious attack. And it's really scary. Once you're slipping and falling like that, you're just trying to grab something, but you don't even know where to grab. Because everything seems to be arbitrary. Everything seems to be up in the air. And so no one can save you when you're free falling, except for Allah. When you're free falling, no one can save you except for Allah. And so this was the beautiful answer Imam Razi gave him, that I don't need a logical proof. Deen is about the leap of faith. Iman bil ghayb. Everything is not about logic. If you are a man of logic, you're going to mess up sooner or later. You can, logic can only get you somewhere. Then after that, you know, you're going you're gonna to hit a wall. You have to learn how to say, I believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I believe in the unseen. I'm not going to, uh, you know, uh, what you call, try to understand everything through, through logic. So the reason what I was talking about is that this is something we have to take protection, ask protection in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the accursed shaitan, especially at the time of death, not to be overtaken by him. And remember the dua I mentioned to you last, at the end of last week's tafsir. Allahumma in ya'udhuika min an yatakhabbataniya shaytanu al maut. Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from shaytan overtaking me at the time of death. Khabt, just like, you know, like uh, gr- grab and take away. You know, hijack. Shaytan should not come at the final moments of my life and come and hijack me. It can happen. Uh, and it's, it's pretty scary stuff. The Prophet ﷺ said that there are certain people who There are certain people who do the actions of the people of paradise in the eyes of the people. Apparently, they're acting as though they are going to paradise. That's how their actions are amazing. Even though they're actually going to be going to hell. You're not going to see that right now. You're going to see in the last year of their life, last month of their life, last week of their life, last day of their life, some major 180 change will happen and they will flip. And the opposite of that is true. That a man will do the actions of the people of hellfire in the eyes of the people. But he's actually from the people of paradise. Something will happen towards the end of his life. A change will happen and he will be headed to Jannah. So what, what is something you and I need to constantly be asking Allah, Ya Allah, what people are saying, leave what people are saying. Ya Allah, make sure, Ya Allah, please, I want to ensure that I, I, you take my soul away in a state that... I am headed towards paradise. Allah Azza wa Jalla says, Okay, we read this ayah 100 as well. The, he will say, Let me, Allah, please let me go back um, so that I can do good deeds. And the answer will be straightforward. La, kalla. Absolutely not. This is just an empty word that a person utters. Like a person who's being dragged to the, uh, you know, uh, to the electric chair or the gas chamber. He's, been, he's a serial killer and he's been sentenced to death. Many of them will start screaming, let me go, let me go, can I go? <laughs> Everyone's going to say that. 
you had you know 20 years of appeal process failed you've, you're serial, this person's serial murder everyone's decided jury has decided this guy's got to be sent uh, to death sentenced to death and that's what's happened the judge decided that so he may scream he may whimper but it doesn't make a difference he's meant to die he's gonna die so Allah Azza says these people are headed towards hellfire or rather they won't be able to come back to the dunya you can cry all you want but you're not gonna come back to the dunya and behind them barzakh is a barrier this barrier seals the people from the dunya, from the people of Akhirah, you cannot go back. Then when eventually the trumpet of the hour of doom is blown, meaning everyone's in their graves all over the world, and then the trumpet of the hour of doom is blown. What happens? The soul comes back into the body, people stand up. As Allah says in Surah Yaseen, People will wake up, you know, rubbing their eyes. Imagine after 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 years, 2,000 years, 1,000 years of sleeping in, inside the grave. They'll say, Who raised us from our sleeping places? This is exactly what Rahman, the Most Merciful, had promised you. And the messengers were always truthful. They didn't lie to you. They told you the Day of Judgment is coming. It will only be one blow. Sayha, one scream of one angel. All of them, Jamiun, all of them, Ladaina by us, Muhdarun will be made to be present. In instantaneously, from billions and billions of people will come out of their graves, whether the grave is on earth, the grave is in the sea, or the grave is in space. Huh? Their ashes thrown in uh, somewhere. Doesn't make a difference. You cannot escape Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's gathering. Right? Allah Azul gathering. Kalla bala qadirina ala an nusawiya banana. La uksimu biyom al qiyama. Wala uksimu bin nafsil lawama. Ayahsabul insanu ala najma'i dama. Does the human being think that we will not be able to gather his bones? Bala nay. Qadirina. We are all capable. Ala an nusawiya banana. To match up every single fingertip with a finger. Every single fingerprint. With the finger, with the body, it will all be matched up to the level, to the DNA level. بَلْ يُرِيدُ الْإِنسَانُ لِيَفْجُرَ أَمَامَا يَسْأَلُ أَيَّانَ يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ Rather, how sad the human being continuously sins. And then he says, أَيَّانَ يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ When is the Day of Judgment coming? What have you prepared for it that you so haughtily, arrogantly ask, when is it coming? بَلْ يُرِيدُ الْإِنسَانُ لِيَفْجُرَ أَمَامَا يَسْأَلُ أَيَّانَ يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ And then, oh, فَإِذَا بَرِقَ الْبَصَرُ وَخَصَفَ الْقَمَرُ وَجُمِعَ الشَّمْسُ وَالْقَمَرُ يَقُولُ الْإِنسَانُ يَوْمَئِذٍ أَيْنَ الْمَفَرُ What powerful words of Surah Al-Qiyamah, Allahu Akbar. When Allah Azul says that جُمِعَ الشَّمْسُ وَالْقَمَرُ The sun and the moon will crash into one another. Everything in orbit will fall out of place. All hell will break loose. And a man will say, أَيْنَ الْمَفَرُ Where can I run now? إِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ يَوْمَئِذٍ الْمُسْتَقَرُ And the answer will be, nowhere. The only place you can run and hide is running right back to Allah. Because wherever you go, أَيْنَ تَكُونُوا أَيْنَ تَوَلُّوا فَثَمَّ وَجْهُ اللَّهِ Wherever you turn, all you see is Allah. Wherever you turn, Allah's grasp, Allah's kingdom is everywhere. You cannot escape. So that day is coming when the, everything will fall apart and a person will want to run and he'll be told you can't run. So Allah Azawajal here says, when the trumpet of the hour of doom is blown, now what will happen as people stand up to rise up? فَلَا أَنْسَابَ بَيْنَهُمْ يَوْمَئِذٍ وَلَا يَتَسَأَلُونَ No ties of kinship between them shall avail on that day, nor shall they care to ask about one another. Very interesting, subhanAllah, that people, people sin and disobey Allah, a big chunk of it is because of relatives. Abu Talib, 
uh, a sad story, very sad story. We say it with a, with a sad heart, most definitely. But when he was asked again and again to accept Islam by his nephew, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he kept on refusing, no, no, no. And what was it? He said, what will people say? What will people say that the uncle caved into the nephew's uh, pleading at the last moments? It's so sad. It really is so heartbreaking. The man who did so much for the Prophet ﷺ. But at the end, what, what, he, what did he cave into? Uh, is what his relatives will say. What will the people of Quraysh say? The, how dare did you follow? You left the forefather's religion? What are they going to say? So this aspect about trying to fit in society. Yeah? People trying to fit in. How many people want to le- learn, live, l- l- practice the deen in a certain manner? But it's their brother or sister or sister-in-law or brother-in-law or uncle or aunt who, le- who is not following the deen and they force this person to change. We see that all over, all over the place. How many people sitting in this gathering right now, you are going against all odds to be here. You're going against your own siblings. Some of you are going against your own parents. You're, I mean, you're grown men, 50 years old, whatever, but your parents still have a certain way of leading a life against the deen. And it's a constant struggle for you to be in the masjid. Constant struggle for you to be a student of deen. Constant struggle for you to do anything. Every day. And that's why some weeks you aren't able to make it. Or some months you're not able to make it. It's because the relatives take over. And you have, you know, relatives means your mom, dad, husband, wife, children, siblings, uncles, whatever. So relatives are one big reason why people disobey Allah. Uh, and they feel just pressured. That this is what I, 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 I am supposed to conform to what my khandan and what my relatives are saying. Well, Allah Azza wa says, as soon as the trumpet is blown and you come on earth, um, you come onto the day of judgment, that's it. Gone are the relatives. They're not even there. There's, there's all relationships will, will be come to an end. A person will say that I'm not going to even care about it, nor will I even simply even ask. No one will be even ask about one another. So Allah Azza wa mentions in Surah Abasa, he says, فَإِذَا جَاءَتِ الطَّامَةُ الْكُبْرَى فَإِذَا جَاءَتِ الصَّاخَةُ يَوْمَ يَفِرُ When the day of judgment will strike, approximately 24 different names of the day of judgment mentioned in the Qur'an. One of them is صَاخَةُ طَامَةُ الْكُبْرَى حَاقَةُ وَاقِعَةُ آزِفَةُ And so forth. So here you have Allah Azza wa Jalla is mentioning when the day of judgment will come, يَوْمَ يَفِرُ الْمَرْءُ مِنْ أَخِيهِ I know many of us know these verses, we think about them. When, يَوْمَ يَفِرُ الْمَرْءُ مِنْ أَخِيهِ When a man will run away from his brother. وَأُمِّهِ Will run away from his mother. وَصَاحِبَتِهِ Run away from his wife. وَبَنِيهِ Run away from his sons. لِكُلِّ مْرِئِمْ مِّنْهُمْ يَوْمَ إِذٍ شَأْنٌ يُغْنِي Every one of them will be perplexed and will be preoccupied with their own affairs. That same mother who says, Berta, I will stay awake all night for you. And she does until you come back home safely. That same mother who literally, literally will suffer any pain in order for her child to prosper, will stay awake all night for her child who's sick, will do anything and everything. She'll stay hungry in order to feed that child. SubhanAllah, that same child on the Day of Judgment, mother will be looking the other way. The son, imagine, he sees his old mother and he says, uh-uh, I can't even act like I recognize her. Everyone is just looking past one another. Sons and daughters, fathers and mothers, and husbands and wives who love each other, who broke every single rule under the sun in order to appease one another. Oh, my wife, my darling, loves this. Khalas. From halal and haram, let me do. You want this? Let's make it happen. You want that? Let's make it happen. All those laws of the sharia that a person broke for his or her darling, well, on the day of judgment, we won't even have a time for a handshake. And none of that. 
All of those rules of the Sharia a person broke for his lovely daughter, for the princess, for the prince that we can get from. We need, you need this? No problem. We'll go get a bank loan. We'll, go get a, we'll, put, our, we'll put our house, a paid off house uh, for collateral and get you what you want because why? We want you to have a fancy, shamancy, over the top wedding that I can't afford. But guess what? I want you to be happy at all cost. So we're going to do that. All those t- times that a husband and a wife or mom and dad have broken the rules of the deen to please their little kids. Well, guess what? On that day for what? That, that son and daughter will not want to look at them in the eye and the mom and dad also will know that subhanAllah, this kid, I don't know. You know I don't want to see him either because he might ask me for something. Each of the people will be trying to avoid one another, will not trying to... Ca- this mentioned Surah Ma'arij. يُبَصَّرُونَهُمْ يَوَدُّ الْمُجْرِمُ لَوْ يَفْتَدِي مِنْ عَذَابِ يَوْمِذٍ بِبَنِيهِ وَصَاحِبَتِهِ وَأَخِيهِ وَفَصِيلَتِهِ الَّتِي تُؤْوِيهِ وَمَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا ثُمَّ يُنْجِي that a disbeliever or a sinner on that day will be wishing that he says, Ya Allah, please take anyone. Ya Allah, this is my son, please take him to hell. This is my wife, please take her. Ya Allah, this is my daughters, please take them. My mom and dad, old one, please take them all. Take them, throw them into hellfire. I don't mind. Ya Allah, you know what? This is not appeasing you. It seems like you're not budging, oh Allah. You don't want any of these things. Okay, how about this? Waman fil like he owns. Like he owns everyone. Waman fil Ya Allah, take everyone on the earth. Throw them into hell, but let me go. And the answer will simply be, Kalla, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Since when are we going to punish someone for someone else's sin? Innaha lava. This is one of the signs, this is one of the names of Jahannam. It's called lava. Lava, naza'ata lishawa. Naza'a means to scrape off, pull off. Naza'ata lishawa, that the fire of hell will actually peel off the skin. And Allah will give the fire an ability to speak. And the fire, crackling fire, will start calling out to you by your name. Anyone who tries to run away will say, where are you headed? Imagine the fear of that. Allah, where the fire itself is speaking. The fire itself is speaking. The one who is running away, it says, where are you going? Where are you going? Man adbara wa tawalla wa jama'a fa'awa'a That person who simply gathered and amassed wealth, turned his back to the deen, the fire says, where are you going? Come on, come, come over here. This human being is so weak, whenever he got afflicted, he, and whenever he enjoyed wealth, he became very stingy. He didn't want to share it. And whenever a little bit of difficulty came upon him, he began to lose his patience. He began to lose his mind. How come? How come? He starts screaming, wailing, hyperventilating over any small issue. And then when Allah gives him health and wealth, then he acts like he was born like this. He never, he deserved it that he's never seen difficulty. And he starts looking down at other people you know, in, 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 in a despicable manner. So this is you know, glimpses, glimpses of what's going to be happening between relatives. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, even your crew, you know, your crew, your crib, your club, club of friends, whatever you want to call them, Allah Azza wa says, a person will say, Allah, this is my whole Saturday night crew, Friday night crew, golfing crew, uh, wings crew, whatever you, basketball crew, we all got our crews. Allah, take them all into hellfire to save me. And the answer will simply be, no, absolutely not. So this is as soon as when, you know, when, 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 the top, when all these gang leaders come together, for example, they get arrested, what happens? When pressure is put on, they rat out. They rat out the other guys. This is no man, this is not worth it. I'm not going to die for someone else. And they'll spill the beans, they'll sell the secrets, they'll say it, whatever needs to be said, if it means a lo- lower sentence. You just got to put enough pressure, then anything will happen, anyone will break. 
Allah the pressure will begin as soon as a soul comes back in and the day of judgment will begin the pressure will begin where everyone will ratting out each other say I got nothing to do with him no ya Allah I got nothing to do with him and guess what even shaitan will say ya Allah I've got nothing to do with these people I don't know why they're saying don't even, don't even bring me into the conversation because shaitan knows where he's headed so at that day he will also exclaim and say that I've got nothing to do with that so it's something to think about it really is something about that, you know, we talk about relatives, we talk about friends, 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 yar, dost, dost. Everything today, we live off of friends. People have beautiful porches, people have beautiful backyards, you can have amazing summer barbecues. It's all for the friends. But these friends, what use are these friends? Ask yourself, what have they done for you in your deen? What, how have they benefited you in the long run? Are they going to come to you to sleep with you in their grave? To, 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 to respond on your behalf to the angels of death? Of course not. This is all, this is all, it's all just bartering of services. You scratch my back, I scratch your back. That's it. There's no real love, man. There's no real friendship. It's all about business. It's all about, friend, you know, just how can you give me something, I'll give you something. It's about leveraging. I promise you. That's what it comes down to. These friendships are so fake. Fake. Because subhanAllah, in terms of the deen, no one's helping one another. If someone stops you, someone says, come to this event, and then there you're going to miss your prayers. That's not friendship. Someone comes to you and say, come over here. And then in the same t- you end up seeing something you shouldn't see, listening to something you shouldn't listen, eating something you shouldn't. That is not friendship. And we need to understand that. As Allah Azza wa says in the 19th juz, that a day will come, a oppressor will begin to bite, a oppressor will begin to chew his fingers. Allah, when you're nervous, you chew your, t- your fingernails. When you're very nervous, you, ch- you chew your fingertips. And that's about it. Allah Azza wa says on the day of judgment the oppressor will not chew will not chew his fingernails, fingertips, or fingers. He will chew his hand. Imagine putting your hand down the throat, chewing that. Out of what? Out of extreme nervousness, out of extreme fear. Why is he so angry? Why is he so nervous? Why is he so upset? Because he will be looking at the people who he befriended in the world. And he will realize that it is his friends who brought him this horrible ending. That if he had been choosing smart, good, pious, righteous, God-fearing friends, he would not be in a situation that he is in today. So it is the, the, the poor choice of friendship that is exactly what will make a person want to chew his entire hand. How I wish I had not chosen so and so as my friend. Indeed, he has misguided me, misled me from the remembrance of Allah after Islam had come to me, after I had accepted Islam, after Quran had come to me, after I was introduced to the Prophet. Yet this friendship with this individual became a means of parting ways from the deen. وَكَانَ الشَّيْطَانُ لِلْإِنسَانِ خَذُولًا And indeed, shaitan will be the biggest forsaker of the human being. خَذُولًا خَذْلًا means to forsake someone, to ditch them. You bring them in the middle of the road and then leave them and run away. That's what shaitan is going to do. And all those friends who mislead us, who invite us towards sin, who invite us towards haram, my beloved friends, let's understand that these very same people will be the quickest ones to leave us. Because that's what they'll realize. That oh, we cannot handle the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is up to every one of us to choose good friends. Every one of you follows a religion of follows a religion not of his mom, not of his dad, not of his ustad. That didn't that's not what the hadith says. So the hadith mentions every one of you will follow the religion of his friend. So be careful who you befriend. You're here because of a friend. I promise you, all of us are here because of some good company. We're keeping a certain good company, that's why we're here. If we didn't have good company, we would not be here. That same company that pushes you to dini gatherings is the company that you and I need. And this is something, whether you are coming here first time, you're coming here every week since the past many weeks. 
This is something that's going to keep you and I going till the end is ensuring that we're surrounded by good company and our children are surrounded by good company. Fatima is reported as she asked Nabi Sallallahu will we recognize one another on the day of judgment? And the Prophet said, that no, oh Aisha, no one will recognize anyone on the day of judgment. Even I will not, I will, uh, except for three, three, uh, three instances. Number one, where Nabi Sallallahu will be waiting for us. Number one, will be ala sirat. We'll be waiting by, at the uh, bridge over Jahannam. Number two, when the scale, when the suhuf uh, al-nushirat, uh, when the books of deeds will be opened up, al mizan, and by the scales. This has been one riwayah. That Nabi Sallallahu will be waiting at three places. Once he told Fatima, Fat- oh Fatima, take care of what you have to do. I will not be able to save you on the day of judgment. Whatever you are going to do, you have to make sure you stock up and prepare for akhirah. This is of course before Fatima at the very end was informed that she was going to be the leader of the women of Jannah. Final moments, six months or so before or closer to Rasulullah's death, he informed her this. As you probably have heard the story, Aisha anha. Uh, saw that Fatima anha was uh, leaning close to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi he said something to her she started crying and then he, she put her ears to her, his mouth again and then she started laughing and it looked very like weird and out of or, or ordinary but she was refusing to speak up she didn't say anything after the Prophet Sallallahu passed away Aisha anha said I ask you in the name in the, in the, in, in, I ask you in the name of the right I have over you because I'm still, she's who? She's Ummul Mu'mineen. She's the mother of the believers. Although younger than Fatima radiallahu but she's the mother of the believers. So I ask you in the name of the right I have above you, uh, upon you, tell me what happened on such and such day. And she, then she said, yes, now that he's passed away, I'll tell you. He called me close to me and told me that, oh, Aisha, oh Fatima, I, my time is up. And I'm going to be leaving this world. So naturally I started crying. Then he called me closer again and said, oh Fatima, that you are going to be the first of my family to join me. And uh, next narration that you are going to be the, uh, are you not going to be pleased that you are going to be the leader of the women of paradise. But earlier on in Makkah, Nabi Sallallahu is telling her that uh, you better take care of yourself. I won't be able to help you. That, the nasab is there. Man Whosoever's actions slow him down, his deeds, his nasab, his lineage will not be able to speed him up. Whosoever's actions slow him down, his Nasab, his lineage, will not be able to slow him down. So very important take-home point, that relatives are great. They say there's a saying, Al-Aqarib kal-Aqarib. These are two words in Arabic, with a Hamza and a Ayn. That's the only difference. Aqarib and Aqarib. Aqarib means relatives, and Aqarib means scorpions. Right? So Al-Aqarib kal-Aqarib, meaning relatives at times can become like scorpions. They can bite and they can sting. Uh, really bad and it can hurt you but we're not talking about just stealing your money in the dunya and causing problems here we're talking about something beyond that that being toxic and being holding you down to an extent that even if you want to follow the deen they keep on pulling you back and that's what you have to be careful of next ayah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says فَمَنْ ثَقُولَتْ مَوَازِينُهُ thus whoever's balances are heavy with good works ثَقُولَ ثَقِيل means to be heavy Mizan, mawazin means the scales. Whoever, whosoever scales are heavy, then it is these who are truly successful. So there's, there's a whole concept of, there's a whole concept of wazn al-a'mal. 
this whole concept of what wasn't amal weighing of deeds this is a real uh, this is this is something real that our actions will be weighed on the day of judgment and based on how much they weigh we will be headed towards paradise or not if we if our action if our good deeds weigh heavy if our good deeds weigh heavy then we will be worthy of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and if our evil deeds are heavier then we'll be unfortunately headed to hellfire so today some student asked me said that uh, uh, you know I was uh, speaking to someone I asked someone for a favor and she said okay you know I'll do it for you and she said I made dua for her I said may Allah reward you and make your scales heavy on the day of judgment sounds good to you right what do you think huh may Allah make your scales heavy on the day of judgment thank you for willing to help me huh Scale, which scale, <laughs> which scale are you guys? Watch, you guys are awake, alert. Right? That's why, uh, yeah, so actually that was not the point, but you, thank you for mentioning that. When you say Jazakallah, may Allah uh, recompense you, that's why they say, that's incorrect to say Jazakallah. You must say Jazakallahu khaira, because may Allah reward you, give you recompense in the good. Because Jazakallah could also mean Jazakallah sharra. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala recompense you with evil. Right? So it's open-ended. So that's why we should not just say Jazakallah, we should say Jazakallah khairah. So I mean, I, of course, it sounds, it, sounds like, it sounds like a good thing that um, it sounds like a good thing that you are asking me to, for my scales to be heavy. But what happens? On top of that, unfortunately, look at today's mashara. She says, uh, I feel offended by that. Uh, I don't feel like good. Like, why did you say that to me? <laughs> so, you know, that seems like a very cheap motive for me to help you. And I go, oh my God. Right, this is crazy. Look at the zamana where we, so I got asked by one student how to answer to this. I said, look, at this is so sad, but this is a symptom of a bigger problem. She's saying that I don't, I, 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 I feel offended that you made dua, that may Allah you make your way. I don't need to do it for amal. I don't need to do it for good deeds. Why do I need to be enticed by ajar? I did it for the sake of just being a good person. You know? Like literally, like your mind is lost. Today, this is what we're looking. This is a symptom of a very big problem. You know what it is? It's the ego, man. Everyone worships the ego, not worshiping Allah. Even in your Islam, you're, you're, you're egocentric. What does that mean? By see the see that you worship in Allah, you worship Him the way He wants to be worshipped. Why did Allah Azza wa Jalla speak about Jannah and Jahannam, good deeds and bad deeds and the scales all over the Quran? You trying to act more pious than than Rasulullah? Are you trying? You telling me you understand what Allah wants more than He does? Because that's what it is. What is it supposed to mean that no, I don't, I, I'm, I am beyond that. I don't worship. I don't need Jannah to be enticed to be nice to you. Nabi Ali Sallallahu What did he say? Good character is the most weightiest thing on the scales. Jannah and Jahannam have been spoken about, and I've heard this many times, so I'm getting upset about, it, about this fact, subhanAllah, because it enrages me how people, how shaitan has misguided people, that in the, in the best aspects of deen, they're not following deen. Like for example, a person comes and says, it's usher time. I want to come, I just, I did success, I did very well in my exams. I want to come and pray Salatul Shukr. Can you do that? After usher, after praying usher namaz. Uh, some, it's, it's a, a lady who is not performing salah These are real questions have come to me She's not praying Time of the month when she's not praying But then she did well in her exams Can I pray? No you can't But no but I want to But I just want to I want to worship I want to thank Allah for doing well 
Someone is not, not, is not in the state of, of, of entering the masjid. They go for Umrah. Oh, Allah, Ghafoor Rahim, man. Come on, I'm all here. You think I'm going to sit in my room or I'm going to sit outside? I must go perform Umrah. This is the new, new mentality. That it's about what I feel like. As long as I feel not too far away from, from where I'm sitting here. It's so sad. Last week, someone told me that a person came to the masjid and asked an uneducated, uh, uh, what should I call him? You know, imam. That is it okay to perform salah? Is it, pray to, is it okay to perform a salah after asr? And so he was standing there, this brother. He told me, he said, that person said, uh, hmm. he could have said, I don't know. Or he could have said, yes, you can. And the answer would be, no, bhai, you, it's, not, it's wrong. The answer is, no, you cannot pray enough salah after pray. But not only did he say, you can pray, but look at the logic which really shook me. He said, who am I to stop you from worshiping Allah? Who am I to stop you from worshiping Allah? You can do whatever you want. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. So Subhanallah, the guy who was asking the question, he had more brains than the one who was being asked. He said, but you know what? You don't need to pray to get close to Allah. You could, and after Asr, you could do recite Quran. You could do dhikr. You could do dua. The guy who asked the question, he himself responded by saying, I thought after Asr, you're not allowed to pray. And you're saying, who am I to stop you from getting close to Allah? Well, guess what? There's many different ways of getting close to Allah. If it's, if it's not permissible, just tell me it's not permissible. Because this is not the time. I'll pray after Maghrib. But this is the modern era. Where you, it's not about Allah. It's about how do I feel? What, what, how, I want to feel good. I want to feel relaxed. As long as I'm happy, as long as I feel content, as long as I feel you know, I'm in Zen mode, then everything's fine. Right? I'm feeling spiritual. As they say, I'm feeling spiritual. This is, this is the... Uh, ajib era we're living in where a person will say you know Allah Allah will accept any type of prayer that's what they say and didn't I say last week one Islamic school teacher she's teaching her third year old third graders saying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts prayers whether you cover your hair or not doesn't make a difference this is the fiqh being taught to third graders and, third, and second graders that whether you cover your hair or not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts but since when have you become God? when have you become the prophet? when have you become a representative of, uh, on behalf of Allah azza wa jal to change the sharia? Just because, oh, we don't, want to, we don't want to make people uncomfortable. What is that supposed to mean? If a new Muslim comes in, and he's, he's trying to learn anything, everything, just let him pray whatever you want. But you can't go to him and say, it's okay. Salah is valid without wudu, because you know you don't know how to do wudu. Salah is valid without Quran, because you don't know how to read Quran. No, you say, inshallah, you learn. Bit by bit. Take it easy. Every day we'll teach him one thing. That's the way to do it. So to, now it just reminded me of the scales that, hey, there is something called scales. There is something called hasanat and sayyat, and they will be weighed. And that is not wrong to be motivated by ajr. You're supposed to be. If it wasn't there, then why does the Quran and the hadith is replete with it, with examples of it? So let's, as they say, stop acting more Christian than the Pope. Stop asking more Muslim than the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam. Don't do that. Because that, our muqtada and our, our role model is Rasulullah Why did he constantly, constantly keep on encouraging us through Virtues, the virtue of Surah Al-Mulk, the virtue of Surah Dukhan, virtue of Sadaqah, virtue of this and that. It's supposed to keep us motivated. And if you, my beloved brothers, such baat the reality is the yaqeen and jannat, unfortunately, for all, for honestly speaking, is not where it needs to be. It's barely there. Because today, for one dollar, for one dollar cheaper, you're driving three miles, which doesn't really make sense, but people do that. For a twenty dollar discount on Black Friday, after putting the price up for eighty dollars, twenty dollar discount, people stand for two hours outside. Yeah? What is that supposed to mean? If people truly believed in Jannah and the rewards of Jannah, they would definitely be motivated. They would never say, oh, I don't need, I don't need good deeds, I don't need hasanat, I don't need uh, you know, Jannah to be enticed. 
Absolutely not. The reason this type of junk is said is because the true conviction in the unseen treasures of paradise is weak. We have to address that. This is the usuli issue. This is an issue, a principle level. We have to speak about Jannah in our home. And of course, Jahannam as well. Read through the verses of the Quran. Read through a hadith. And create, the more you hear it, the more you'll believe in it. Out of sight, out of mind. If we don't speak about it, we won't believe in it. But those whose balances and scales are going to be light, khafif, khafa, light, then it is those who have utterly lost their souls. In hell they shall abide forever. The key point is khalidun, forever. If a person was sentenced to death after committing a, um, a, let's say a major crime, a bank robbery in which he ended up killing a teller. And he's sentenced to death. Imagine on the death row, he's speaking to some fellow other uh, prisoners, and they're like, oh, so you, you're the ones who, who made, it, made the news, huh? You made a successful bank robbery. Hey, how, much was the, how much was the loot, man? How much was it? And imagine he's sitting there, he says 50 million, 20 million, 10 million. Really, when you're about 10 minutes away from the gas chamber, what difference does it make? Whether it was 10 million or 20 million or 100 million. What's the point? It's all gone. And you're about to be dead in 10 minutes. That's what it is. What was the point of everything you enjoyed in the life when at the end, it's Jahannam khalidun It's a life of eternity in hell. Not just burning in hell for a little bit, but forever. Then however much you must have amassed in this dunya, however much you must have enjoyed yourself, is, was it worth it? And the answer is obviously not at all. The fire searing their faces, ever grimacing therein with pain. Okay, um, Lafaha is like, you know, like, as I said, searing. You take your grilled chicken and at the final, you put on that final coat of butter or, or marinade uh, and you put it on the, on the grill again. And when that sizzling sound comes in, in the final moments, this is what the fire will do to their faces, which is the most sensitive of the spots, both physically speaking and emotionally speaking. That's why you're not supposed to slap someone on the face, right? Because that is the most honorable spot on the man in a human being. That's a, this is what's going to be happening to the face. Imagine what's going to happen to the rest of the body. That they're going to be seared by the fire. Grimacing. You know what, Kalih? Have you seen a paya? Huh? Have you seen paya and what's it called? City paya. The head of a, of a, of a goat. When it's, when it's uh, cooked properly, the Yemenis and others, all they have that as well. That you see the full head. What do you see with it? When you pull it out, it's been skinned from the skull and you see the teeth coming out. Looks and the eyeballs, right? Everything else. Very intimidating, very scary. SubhanAllah. I went once to buy some ta'am shabi from pub, you know, local food in Saudi. Took me to a Yemen restaurant. And they said, what is it? You want ta'am? I said, I hear it's most halal local food. So that's what he did. He opened up, a, he opened up an uh, tanur, and inside there were just skulls. And I was, I was just like, okay, what's going to happen now? He picked up a skull, and he took a big, big, huge, massive butcher knife, cracked in half, took the brains that were boiling out, put it in a plastic wrap, put some black pepper and salt and gave it to me. Right? This was Ta'am al-Sha'bi, right? Public. You've eaten this? Yes? Right? So, I mean, it's, it's an acquired, t- acquired taste to say the least. Right? So, but subhanAllah, that, that's exactly what I'm thinking about. When I was reading the sharh and the, the commentary of this hadith, I mean this ayah, this is exactly what's written in the commentary. That it's, when you look at that, you know, that, that head of a goat that has been, that has been cooked, Inside this tanur, look at the teeth, look at the face. This is what's going to be happening in Allahu Narjaun to the faces of these disbelievers who are in fire at the intensity which we cannot we cannot f- calculate, and not for one day or two days, forever. 
And then they will, Allah Azza wa will say to them, Alam takun ayati tutla alaykum. Were my signs not, were my revealed signs not recited to you? Fakuntum bihal tukadhibun. And did you not belie them? What is the uh, continued signs that, uh, that people were told? They were, you've heard us repeating this again and again. Three signs Ayat kauniya, Ayat taqwiniya, Ayat quraniya. Three different signs Ayat kauniya, Ayat taqwiniya, Ayat quraniya. Three different signs. Right, so what is the first one? Ayat kauniya, ayat in the nature. Ayat nature, meaning just mashallah, the beautiful weather right now, the blossoming of the tulips and the roses and the the the, the, the chirping of the birds. These are all ayat kauniya, nature. How seasons are changing, how night and day changes, and how rivers flow, how melt, uh, glaciers melt, how the mountain peaks look so beautiful. All of these things are signs of nature. That's one. They, they, what do you mean recited? Well, the bird is chirping. That's recitation. The, 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 every single day, the flower blooms. It's saying, come look at me. It's reciting. Right? The animals are making their noises. They're grazing in the pasture, making their noise. They're reciting. Say, come look at us. Look how we give you milk. Look how we give you meat. Look how we give you whatever you want. All from Allah Azza wa we're at your service. Then the second ayah is the ayat taqwiniya, just the, the, the incidents in nature. The poor becoming rich, rich becoming poor, healthy becoming sick, sick becoming healthy, young dying, elders living, those with diagnosed with a terminal illness living for another 30 years, those with no diagnosis dying suddenly, uh, people who are, you expect to be the lowest class, they end up becoming presidents, the presidents go into jail. You know, all of these everyday things happening in a, in a national, international, as well as your own personal life. All of these changes constantly are all signs from Allah, right? You just have to look for it and you'll be surprised how many amazing signs are around you. So they're all calling out to you to say, hey, Allah exists. Allah exists. I am a, I am a sign <coughs> that Allah Azza wa Jal exists. And the third is ayat Qur'aniyah. The verses of the Qur'an which are obviously being recited in, in salah, in taraweeh, in Qur'an, in tafsir. They're being recited. All three verses are being recited. فَكُنْتُمْ بِهَا تُكَذِّبُونَ Yet you continue to belie them. This is what Allah Azza wa Jal will be telling the people in hellfire that why, why did you not change when you could have changed? Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and that's why I mentioned in a very important hadith الْكَيِّسُ مَنْ دَانَ نَفْسَهُ That an intelligent person is the one who keeps his nafs in check. Who doesn't cave into what his desires demand from him? And constantly is preparing for the hereafter. is and the fool is man hawaha who follows in the direction of wherever his nafs, his ego, his lower self, his lustful desires lead him to. You want to eat? You go wherever. You want to enjoy vacation, drink, sleep, anything that nafs says. La I'm I'm at your service. All the money he's earning is to fulfill the deeds, the desires of the nafs. And then he has false expectations from Allah that I'm a Muslim, born into a Muslim home, so Jannah is obviously written for me. That's what he's talking about, false hopes. He didn't do anything to deserve paradise. He has a life full of obedience to the nafs, but he thinks that Jannah is for him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, these people in hellfire will respond, they will say, Oh our Lord, our perverse ways overcame us. Thus we were a people lost in error. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that these people respond that why did you disobey me? And they will acknowledge that <clears throat> we were overcome with our perverse ways. Shikwa is in the meaning of shahwa, lust. That we were overcome by our own lustful desires. This is, today is a war of lust. 
Everywhere the lustful desires are being uh, pushed, promoted by social media, by internet, by the phone, by billboards, by advertising, marketing, industry. Allah non-stop. You and I don't realize how much you know, whether a person sees a, you know, sees a, bl- a white, a board, or what you call it, board of a car, or, you know, he says, all of, he's driving a nice car, alhamdulillah, he's enjoying it. All of a sudden, the naf says, man, that looks better. That's a newer model. That's it. Right? A person is, is, is enjoying good food at home, but he hears about, no, so I want to have something more expensive. I heard there's something more exotic over there, etc. So all of a sudden, the naf says, let's go over there. So it's a never-ending thing. A person has a needs are fulfilled through a normal purse or a bag or a suitcase or a t-shirt or whatever. But then he says, no, I need to have a designer. It's the same bag. You get one for $50, another one for $2,000, another one for $15,000. Yes, and they're all bags. They all serve. They serve the same purpose. But what the nafs comes in to say, I need to make a fashion statement. I need to, I, it's not befitting. Like someone was telling me there's a place you can get french fries uh, for $20. $20 french fries. Why? Simply to appease to the nafs of person, people who have money, say, how can I eat where other people are buying for $3? It's just not right. I don't feel right in there. So let me go to a place where it's served for the same thing for $20. What is that? That's the nafs. So the nafs tells us that you have to change your lifestyle. Our perverse ways, our lustful desires overcome, overcame us. That's why one of beautiful one saying is, رُبَّ شَهْوَةِ سَاعَةٍ Sometimes fulfilling a lustful desire for one second creates a never a never ending era of pain and torture. We, you know, ek ayashi enjoyment for one second, enjoyment of lustful desires for one second, one minute, one hour. What happens? It brings about an era of absolute horror. In Allah Azza wa Jal punishes a person for that. Not only in the akhirah, sometimes these, when we, when we cave to our lustful desires in this world as well, we have to pay a very hefty price for that. So this is what they will say, that the, the truth was there, but we were so focused on our lustful desires that we, we gave preference to our lustful desires over the worship of our Lord. We gave preference to uh, the cheap dunya we world over the, uh, the akhirah and the abode of the akhirah. And now we are having to pay, pay the price. We were paying the price now. Rabbana akhrijna. Oh our Lord, please. Akhrijna minha. Bring us out of this minha, out of this fire. Fa'ina And if we return to unbelief, fa'inna zalimun, then would we most surely be godless wrongdoers. You've got to give us a chance. Give us one more chance. Just get us out of this mess. And I promise you, if we don't follow your orders, then you have full right to punish us. Right? This is what people will say in the Akhirah. And subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already is telling us this is going to happen. And you see that today? How many times with, with, when you catch hold of someone, or the thieves, look at repeat offenders. Unfortunate case. Who are not reformed through the prison system. You let them go, and not all cases, but many times. They're not reformed, and those very same people after sentence, being sentenced, or being serving 20 years in prison, come out within days. They end up committing the same crime or something, sometimes even worse. So we see that fitrah within us. That we like to claim that, oh, we just needed some more time. And then we would have changed. Uh, No. Someone who's going to obey, who's going to listen, he'll get it right the first time. And Allah Azza wa Jal mentions this in some various places in the Quran. Let's go over that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-An'am, ya laytana, the disbelievers will say, 
If only Ya Rasulullah, you could see them standing at the brink of hellfire, about to be pushed in. And they will be exclaiming and begging and crying and saying, Ya Laytana, oh how we wish, Nuraddu, that we would be sent back into the world. And we will not belie the signs of our Lord. And we will be from amongst the believers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, no, stop lying. The only thing is that all of that which you had been promised and you belied has become apparent. It's been unveiled. We've been telling you, our prophets have been telling you all along that this awaits you. We never believed them. Now all that's happened has been unveiled. You see it. Allah is saying, the most truthful of all those who speak, He says, if they were hypothetically speaking, been given a second chance and returned to the world, they would go right back to those things that they have been asked not to do. And indeed, they are absolutely liars. When are they liars? When they say that we are going to change and repent if we were to be given another chance. Okay? Another place Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, Surah Az-Zumar, Allah says, Ya hasrata ala ma a sinner will say, how high of source, how sad I am over the fact, over the fact that I did not fulfill the rights of Allah. And indeed, I was from amongst those who would make a mockery of those who believed. That's what he's going to say. Right? And then he's going to say, oh, he might say, if Allah guided me, I would have been surely from amongst the Guided people or the, the ones who fear Allah. Look at that, he's blaming Allah. Look at the audacity, man. If Allah guided me, I would never have been in there. Some people really never learn. You know? Uh, and then eventually you will learn. Or then next you will say, when he actually sees the adab, can you give me one more chance? One more chance. So I can become from amongst those who excel in their deeds. Never. Nay. Indeed, my signs came to you. But you chose to belie them. You became arrogant. And you are from amongst the deniers. That's it. So these, this theme is repeated throughout the Quran and we see this within human action today. That how many times a person says, like assignment, students will say, maybe us as in student days did the same thing. Please teacher, please, please, can I have one more day? Please. Then I wonder. No, you procrastinate and procrastinate. Now it comes one more chance, you're gonna fail it as well. That's what usually usually happens. Can I repeat this paper? Can I rewrite it? Can I do this? Unfortunately, the second time around is the same as, as the first time. So Allah Azza wa Jal is warning us that don't try this type of trick. It's not gonna work. Where you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that can you please send me back? Allah Azza wa says it's not gonna be possible. He shall say, sink into it. Sink into the hellfire. Despised. Nor shall you ever speak to me. Ikhsa is used in Arabic to shoo away a dog. You know, not the house expensive $5,000 dog that has life insurance. We're talking about, uh, you know, we're talking about the dog that is on the street that no one wants to, for, for it to come to your home inside. Right? And you just shoo it away. Hey, oh. That's what ikhsa is used. It's a very degrading word. And so here is not only... That's why the punishment of Jahannam is not only physical, it's psychological as well. It's emotional as well. You'll see that all over. I talked about the faces being seared. Similar here, ikhsa is a very harsh word. That, you know, just, it's not just saying, you know, uh, please remain silent. No. Right? It's a very harsh way to tell someone to keep quiet. 
Get out of here. Nor shall you ever speak to me. Now what's going to happen? As mentioned, that the people of Jahannam will be screaming and wailing, wailing, wailing. And after 1,000 years of screaming, uh, eventually someone will look at them and say what? Imagine you try that at home. Your kids say, Mom, Dad, you don't listen to them once, twice, they get so upset. You try that with your spouse. Your spouse says, hey, she calls you out or you call her. Either way, and after one or two times, they don't listen to you, get very upset. Come on, I'm speaking to you. Imagine brothers and sisters, not one time, not two times, not hundred times, not, not for one hour, not two hours. Imagine you try to call your spouse ten times, hundred times, hundred times. And she doesn't, he doesn't pick up. What's going to happen to you? Allahu Akbar, one thousand years of saying, please listen, 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 listen. After 1,000 years, yes, how can we help you? 1,000 years, 1,000 years of suffering and burning in Jahannam, what do you want? And the answer is, the question is, you know, we are very hungry. And so when that is asked, they said, okay, the food is available for you. The ta'am will be presented as what? The food of? Shajra, the tree of Zakum. The tree of Zakum, can you imagine when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, that the tree, if you were to look at the branches and the fruits, they look so, forget about the taste, forget about what they do to you. Just the looks of it looks like the face of shaitan. Surah Safat. The tree, the fruits of it look like the faces of shaitan, which is like an example. And a, 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 you know, of, of something that, like the worst, most ugliest, intimidating looking thing is the face of shaitan. People get scared of jinns. People, like, of course, they, they have ugly faces. What could be more possibly worse than the original, disgusting, intimidating face of Iblis? May Allah save us from ever having to see that. You know, subhanAllah. So that's how every single fruit or plant of that tree is going to be. When they will eat from there, what will happen? It will get stuck in their throat. And of course, la yughni min not, nor will uh, it will not give them any nutrition it will not make them fat or not be nutritious and it will not even save them from hunger but what happens when they will eat it they will get stuck in their throat and now they'll ask for water they'll remember that in the dunya when, you used to get, when some food would get stuck in your throat you would drink water so now they beg can you please give us water can you please give us water a thousand years no response thousand years eventually then the response said yes what do you want we want water so Allah says that hamim. hamim you want water hamim boiling water mixed with the boiling pus and blood of jahannamis is poured over them it will be poured over the head what will happen whatever's inside all the intestines as well as the entire skin will immediately melt away as it comes in one narration, when the boiling water will be brought towards the mouth, what will happen? The lower lip will melt all the way till the navel. And the upper lip will curl up all the way to halfway up the skull. Alright? And of course, you think they're dead. No, but since death is dead, that's why everything will be immediately replaced back. As the Quran mentions, As soon as the skin will get nadija, actually means cooked. As soon as the skin gets cooked, it will be replaced. Meaning because once it gets burnt, where your pain sensors die, you don't feel anything. But dallahum juluda, it will be replaced with fresh layer of skin, with fresh pain sensors for a person to fully be immersed in that experience. May Allah protect us all. So now this water he's drinking, what will happen? The water is worse than zuqum. It will melt everything in. So now he calls out, calls out 
that another, please, thousand years of begging, begging. Then they'll ask, what happened? And this is where the 24th Jews, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they'll say, Ya Malik. Malik is the angel who is in charge of Jahannam. Ya Malik. Oh Malik. Please, all we ask you now for is death. Ask Allah to kill us. Just ask Allah to end this misery. There's nothing more beloved to the people of Jahannam than death. And the answer will be, Innakum makithun. That's not accepted. Innakum makithun. You are going to remain in here forever. And this is where Allah says, Enough chit chat. Enough back and forth. Even if it's taken a thousand years for my angels to respond, I don't want any of this. Ikhsa'u fiha is when now their mouths will be sealed shut. And now they will not be able to even express. Because you know why? Screaming and yelling is also a one way it consoles you. Because you have a way to express your frustration. Now that will be taken away from them. And that they will, their mouths will be sealed shut. وَلَا تُكَلِّمُونِي Don't ever speak to me. May Allah protect us from this faith. إِنَّهُ كَانَ فَرِيقٌ مِنْ عِبَادِي Allah Azza wa says, Indeed, there was a party of my servants who said, يَقُولُونَ would say, there were some, you're, they were not all bad people. You don't say, oh, we were only bad people. No, they were. There were some good people out there too. Many good people out there. يَقُولُونَ They would say, رَبَّنَا Oh my Lord, إِنَّنَا آمَنَّا Indeed, I have believed in Allah. We have believed in Allah. فَغْفِرْ لَنَا So please forgive us, Ya Allah. وَرْحَمْنَا And have mercy upon us. وَأَنْتَ خَيْرُ الرَّحِمِينَ For it is you alone who are supreme, far above all who are merciful. There is no one who can show us, shower us your mercy more than you can. So we're asking you, Ya Allah, Alhamdulillah, we did what we're supposed to do. We tried. We accepted you as our, belief, as our Lord. We believed in your prophets. But we weren't the best Muslims. So we are sorry. We are seeking forgiveness. We are humble. We, fe- we, f- we feel that we have wronged you. So please forgive us. What did you all do? They were good Muslims? Or there was righteous, pious, God-fearing Muslims all around you? This is this dunya. You have one person in a wedding who hasn't prayed Jummah for six months. And another person who hasn't missed his tahajjud for six years. All eating the biryani together on the same table at a walima. Isn't that happening? You have all sorts of people. One person who has, who's living in, till now, he's been in this country for 30 years, but he could not afford a house on cash. And he said, I'm not going to get no interest, non-interest, no type of loan. Forget it. So he's living in a small rented two-bedroom two apartment. And another person has been here only for two years. But he's got every single loan on, on him. Halal, haram. He's earned from right and from wrong. And he's living it up in a house that he could never afford just to put on a show. All eating together from the same table. This is this dunya. That Allah allows the best of the best and the worst of the worst. All the biggest sinners and those who are trying their best to stay strong, they enjoy life together. This is how this dunya works. But it's not going to always be like that. It's not always going to be like that. A day will come when they will be called yawm al yani a day of separation. Like Badr was a day of separation, Yom al-Furqan. Similarly, there is a day of judgment coming where people will be separated. And this is what is, what is mentioned in Surah Yasin. Exactly. Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimullah, it's reported he would spend the entire night repeating this verse again and again and again and again in salah, crying over this verse. Today, oh the sinners, separate yourself from the pious ones. Imam Abu Hanifa, rahmatullahi alayhi would repeat this the entire night, afraid that it should not happen on the day of judgment, when Allah says this, that He ends up having to go away with the sinners. Think about that. When was the last time we ever thought we were sinful? When was the last time we ever thought and reflected on these verses, that seriously, this may happen. This very, very likely may happen. Because our deeds are just horrible. 
You know what the problem is? With those, if, if we are super, super sinful, but if with that sinful, sinfulness, if it's not matched with at least humility, humbleness in front of Allah, then we're in very big trouble. If it's, hey, you know, we are very practicing Muslims. We are, you know, alhamdulillah, if it wasn't for us, what would have happened? That type of attitude is very detrimental to our future. It's a nail in the coffin. We are sinful, let's acknowledge it. Let's never, ever, ever allow ourselves to think that we have any iota of piety, taqwa within ourselves. And hopefully, that level of self, uh, you know, uh, degradation, and uh, will, in, in, inside, inside ourselves, maybe that will be liked by Allah, and Allah Azza will say that, you know, I'll let you go. But if a person begins to think of himself to be someone, well, although we are not, then the chance of survival is very less. What did you do to these Muslims who were practicing? Right? You disbelievers took them as an object of scorn and scoffing. You made fun of the, of the Muslims. Every time you saw a Muslim walking by, you made fun of them. Hatta and sokum dhikri until such insistent mocking of their faith caused you to forget my remembrance utterly. For all the while you were diverted with laughing at them. Today, is it just the non-Muslims who make fun of the Muslims? No, absolutely not. How many hijabi women feel uh, violated if they go to an environment with other women because the dirty looks still good? How many niqabi women will be, will be afraid to walk into one of these restaurants? Because of the way all the other women will look down upon them. SubhanAllah. Amongst women especially. Amongst women especially. There's this ajeeb thing. That who do you think you are? And they feel it. It goes both ways. And so similarly, SubhanAllah. When you, when you, when you see people dressed in a sunnah. Or practicing the deen. Or, or say I, I, I regular at the masjid. Or I attend the program. You will hear laughter. People scoff at you. People will scorn at you. Within your own family circles. Within your own social circles. Try that in your next wedding that you're invited to. Right? Talk about the deen. And you see, gasp. Like, really? Come on, this is Saturday night, brother. It's 11, 10 p.m. You know, it's, it's past the time for to be speaking about the deen. There's so many people who come to these social gatherings who will literally mock at you for the fact, for any aspect of the deen that you speak about. You speak about the deen, you say your son and daughter is going to an Islamic school or attending a madrasa or anything of that sort. And they'll say, really? Come on, what world are you living in? And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about that. That those people who mocked at the believers to such a degree that their continuous uh, focus on practicing Muslims made them forget Allah. Because they were so busy making a mockery of the believers. And they ended up completely forgetting about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They remained so obsessed with mocking Muslims. Inni jazaytuhum al-yawm. Allah says, today, indeed this day, I have rewarded them for what they have endured patiently. For all those men and women who had to be endured, being mocked at. All those, you see those videos coming out of India, of, of the Muslim girls being mocked at. Or, subhanAllah, did I tell you about this Egypt too? They had a study that was, I read on BBC, that they had a study done, that they had a Muslim, not, you know, non-Muslim people dressed as, as a, as, as, as a Muslim, uh, you know, she, a non-Muslim reporter called somewhere, a retail, uh, someone who's doing real estate and said, I want to come check out this, you know, condominiums that you have just recently constructed. Like, oh yeah, great. You know, they're available. Come, come, come right in and we can, we can sign you up. So they go and then she goes in wearing a scarf, the reporter. And all of a sudden, the, the, the uh, owners or the sales agent says, oh, sorry, we're, you know, we're completely sold out. Right? And we have no space. So there's an actual entire article that I read in BBC talking about how in Egypt, 
practicing Muslim women who wear hijab are, uh, are treated as second and third class citizens and are ostracized so much by society. <laughs> this is happening in the Muslim country, right? Muslim country. I remember when I, went, when I was wearing a turban and I was wearing um, a thobe and I was in 2005, I was over there. They, you know, people look at me and they say, you know, they look at my brown skin, they look at my turban, and they look at me and they ask me, are you Sikh? Right? And then they say, what are you wearing? An amama. Right? They don't know what an amama is. Uh, and many of them will look at me in my brown skin and say, oh, where are you from? India? Amita Bachan, Amita Bachan. That's what they say. And say, subhanAllah, you know, what are you talking about? Looking at me like you can't think about deen. They're asking me what religion I am. I'm like, if I, you don't know I'm a Muslim, then I don't know who, like what's, who do you think is Muslim? But that's how the sunnah has become so forgotten, so forgotten. The people in the Muslim country can't recognize that. And if, you're, if you wear it, we know that. Most of the Muslim countries, subhanAllah, if a person's got a beard, going, for, going up for fudge. I know one Muslim brother from a Muslim country. I don't know which country he's from. He was telling me, he said, Yaqi, when I was growing up, you know, when we, if we were to go to Fajr as a youngster, we'd get in trouble. We would, be, we would get in trouble. You know, they would come after us. I said, which country it is? He wouldn't tell me. Can you imagine that? That's the level of fear. It's been 30 years probably. He's refused to tell me. He said, no, I'd rather not say it. Subhanallah Like that's, what's, that's what happens out there So you're seeing this I want you to understand That this is not just disbelievers Making fun of disbelievers It's about so-called believers Many of them hypocrites Making fun of practicing Muslims And this is a big problem With our own Muslim society In Muslim countries As well as in this part of the world Allah Azza wa Jalla is For those of you who suffered Allah is consoling you He says Indeed this day I have rewarded all of them For what they had endured patiently And what's the reward? It is that they are the ones Who are truly triumphant today They are the ones who truly are successful This is similar to what we read in Surah Al-Mutaffifun Allah says That those people who got mocked at by the disbelievers When the disbelievers passed by the practicing Muslims They used to wink at at each other And they used to make fun fun of the Muslims By making cracking jokes Winking at one another Say look at these Muslims Look at these Muslims And when they would go turn around And go back home They would go back joyously Laughing and mocking at the Muslims And when they look at the Muslims They would say these people are utterly lost Allah says that you are never sent as their caretaker Why don't you just mind your own business Instead of saying who's lost Who's not lost you should mind your own business. Why don't you yourself get some guidance? فَالْيَوْمْ Today, يعني on the Day of Judgment, الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مِنَ الْكُفَّارِ يَضْحَكُونَ The tables will have been switched, flipped. The believers will have an opportunity to laugh at the disbelievers. عَلَى الْأَرَائِكِ يَنْظُرُونَ will be sitting, reclining on their sofas. And they'll be seeing the, the, the sinners being thrown into hellfire and they'll be having, they'll be the ones who have the last laugh. Allah, Allah says, what a powerful, powerful ending of Surah Mutafifin. MashaAllah. Did the disbelievers get anything but what they deserved? These ayat, subhanAllah, they are such an amazing, has such amazing power of consoling people who are going through problems. People across the world who are being oppressed, physically tortured, emotionally tortured. Look at the, uh, you know, people in, uh, in the Rohingya camps. I'm just reading about that largest, largest, uh, you know, uh, jail in the world. SubhanAllah, you know, a million, a million, a million people without anything, just locked up open air, being pushed out from everywhere. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy upon them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant them patience, right, of, of what the lost Rohingya people who are suffering immensely.
Subhanallah. So these ayats, they imagine how, how they're consoled when they listen to such things like this. And all those other people uh, who I've heard uh, excerpts from, uh, we read, not heard, read excerpts of, of what happens in the prisons in, the, in, in some of these Middle Eastern countries where literally besides the physical torture, mental torture, they, this is what they say, where's your Allah now? These are so-called Muslims torturing Muslims. Where's your Allah? Bring him on now. I mean, you know, when you're in that type of state, these are the ayats that are going to keep you going. May Allah never allow, ever allow us to see something like that. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give, uh, uh, you know, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow those people who are locked up in such type of torture cells, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala create a way out for them. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, you know, give them patience and sabr and never test them the way they are being tested now. May Allah make that a means of their uh, amazing rewards in the akhirah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will then speak to them. On the day of judgment, we'll say, "Kam labithum? How long did you remain alive on the earth? Added the sinin in terms of the number of years. <clears throat> you're you're going to be in hell for this long. How long? How long were you messing around? Huh? Tell me. How long were you on earth enjoying yourself? Was it all worth it? The response: "Qalu labithna yoman o ba'da yoman." They'll say, "It seems that we remained there about a day. Actually, you know what? Not even a day. Ba'da yom, even a part of a day." Fasal adin. Why don't you ask those who kept count for us? Meaning, ask the angels. We don't know so very well. We're kind of confused. But, we, you know, we did stay there for some time, but very little time. My beloved brothers and sisters, this is Quran I'm reading for you. Look at this. This entire running around of this dunya, at the end of the day, that is what's going to come down to. It's going to come down to half a day. All that effort from A to Z, from preschool to pre-preschool to all the way to our, you know, retirement home in Naples, Florida. Where does it all come from? It, it's ba'dayom. It's just a portion of the day. Is it worth it? Is it really worth it to spend in such a manner that we, Allah forbid, are doomed to hell? It's not worth it. It's all going to come down to these final things. That's why visiting the graves, visiting janazah, attending hospitals, and seeing people in their terminal illness, it reminds you and I that what we're doing, it's, we don't see the big picture. We're just not seeing the big picture. You know, let's get over it. When you are... Uh, when, when a child when you're with a child traveling with children through the airports children don't understand right they're, they're immature in these things and they'll say okay well can I have this can I have that and what are you going to say listen we need to get to the flight it's not worth it you want to get a bag of chips but the flight they're saying last call <laughs> and do you really want to be stuck in this airport in this international place over a bag of chips it's not worth it you have tons of chips when you go home like just get on the flight we have to make sure the maqsad, the maqsad is to get on the plane. Our maqsad is to die with, with iman. All the other things, if we can grab chips easily, okay. But now the last moment, it's not worth it. So whatever dunya you and I are chasing after, as long, if we're not missing out on akhirah, fine. But if you have to choose between dunya and akhirah, then let's be smart. Nabi sallallahu said, مَنْ أَحَبَّ أَخِرَتَهُ أَضَرَّ بِدُنْيَا Whoever loves his dunya, يَادَرْنَا Whoever loves his dunya will harm his akhirah. وَمَنْ أَحَبَّ أَخِرَتَهُ أَضَرَّ بِدُنْيَا Whoever loves his akhirah will harm his dunya. You can't eat the cake and have the cake. Dona, deen or dunya, deen or dunya. That's just, that's just fake when people say that. Deen or dunya. If, because you're naturally 100% inclined towards one or the other. And the Quran, the hadith is saying, if you love your dunya, sorry, but the reality is your akhirah is going to take a hit. And if you love your akhirah, be honest, your dunya is going to take a hit. So give preference to what is everlasting over that which is going to end soon. For all those moms and dads who are trying to make decisions for their kids, marriage-wise, education-wise, uh, summer school-wise, please be smart. Make, an, make a decision that will be worthwhile in the long run. 
I love the love that parents have for their kids. But unfortunately, it is so specific to just these few decades on earth. And most of the time, it has nothing to do with the eternal life of the hereafter. Parents are not making smart decisions for their children when it comes to their deeny education. Because guess what? Simple, if you don't study the deen, you're not going to be able to pass the questions of the grave. You're not going to be able to pass the questions on the day of judgment. How else? Come on. If you're, if you're studying for an engineering exam, how are you going to pass a medical exam? These two separate exams have nothing to do with one another. Similarly, if you're studying for the dunya all the time, and even in the summer, you're doing internships, and summer school, and summer jobs, and this and that, no time for studying the deen, how can we expect to pass? Let's be honest. You're, our summer is coming here. So I implore the parents to not be foolish. Think, look at the big picture. Make decisions for their children that are going to be fruitful for them in the long run. You love your kids? I know. But I'm telling you that you have to love them a little bit more. You don't make your love specific to just as long as they got the soul in their body. Instead, look, love them for when the soul will leave their body. And what will happen after that? We have, alhamdulillah, ages 3 all the way up till 75, 80. You know, age classes taking place this summer starting June 22. Ages 3 to 5, 6 to 9, like 12 to 16 and 16 and up. Basketball camp, summer camp, deen intensive, Arabic intensive, tarbiyah for tots. Alhamdulillah, it's an amazing one-stop shop. And for those of you who are sitting here in front of me listening to this live, there's no reason for you not to benefit from it. When we have people from other end of the country, I cannot tell you, financially going through so many problems, what they're going through to come here. They have to rent an apartment. They have to pay for a hotel for one month. They have to get their four or five kids enrolled here. They need to rent a car. And they don't have extra cash lying around. Some of them are, subhanAllah, single mothers. But they care about their kids. For those of you who are listening to me live right here, and, and local Lombard area people, please value what is provided here. Value what's provided here. That it's just garki murgi dal barabar. It's just down the street from you, so you all don't appreciate and you don't understand that there's a limit to how long your kids will listen to you. Once they're past that limit, then you will cry tears of blood and they won't listen. You'll say, please come take this course. I'll pay you a thousand dollars to take that course. They say, no, I don't care. I'm not interested in the deen anymore. Wh whose fault is that? That's the mom and dad's fault. There was a time for you to do something. When they were young, and you'd bring them into the deeny environments and they could have studied. But if we waited too long, when they grew out of the deen, and now you want to force it down, it's like you're eight, you know, size seven and you're putting in a size three shoe. It's just they've outgrown it. So you actually do outgrow of deen if you don't get deen early on. If you don't get deen early on, that's what happens. You say, no, this is not for me. I've been there, done that. I you know, grew up in a Muslim family. I'm not interested in this stuff. Everywhere we see that. It's so sad. The number of secular Muslims. right? We don't want our children to become from those uh, sad group of people. So benefit from that and understand that this entire running around that you and I are doing for our kids, yawman or ba'dayom, it's a day or half a day. Allah will say, you have indeed remained in the dunya but a little while. Not even, not even a half a day. Qalila. Compared to the hereafter, it's almost minute. And did you not? Uh, oh no. If only you had known how fleeting it would all be, you probably would have changed your decisions. You probably would have done things differently. You know, people say that. If I, 20 years ago, I knew how the stock market was going to be. 20 years ago, how I knew the housing market was going to be. 20, year ago, 20 years ago, how I knew if this job I'm in was going to be, I would have done something differently. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, if only you knew reality of how this entire running around from A to Z of your life is just a drop compared to the C of the hereafter, you probably most definitely would have done things differently. We don't need to wait for that day. We're studying this right now. Ayah 114. 
of Surah Al-Mu'minun. Let's focus on this and say, Allah, allow me to live in a life. Let me, let me work for the dunya for as long as I'm going to stay here proportionately. And let me work for the akhirah proportionate to the, my life in the hereafter. Yeah? Proportionate. And remember my beloved friends, when I say work for the akhirah, that doesn't mean you don't go to job and sit in the masjid, do Allah, Allah. It means your job should be halal income. And should, your job should be with the proper niyyah. And your job should be that you pray your salah on time there. And your presence at job should be a means of hidayah for other people. And that you're a great representative of the deen wherever you are. That's all. That's what it means. Whatever job you're doing, no one's saying leave it. But it means just do it properly. Do it according to the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Don't neglect your obligations. Right? You're going to school. Don't neglect your obligations. Have your proper niyyah. These are very powerful verses of Surah Al-Mu'minun that are read for protection from hasad, from sihar, from ayn, and other things. Very effective also uh, for many things I've heard from tajrawa, from experience. You know, all of sometimes little children, they start just acting up. They don't want to go to school. They don't want to read Quran. Start becoming disobedient. So this is something that's been shared with me, to me by ulama. That reading these final verses of Surah Al-Mu'minun seven times and blowing into each ear. Reading seven times, blowing into one ear. Reading another seven times, blowing into the other ear. This is effective in pushing out any type of shaitani influence that a person, a young child, or even an adult may be suffering. Maybe an adult won't allow you to do that, but at least a youngster, a young kid, sometimes you see all of a sudden certain things happening. So this is very effective. You should memorize these verses of the Quran. Did you think then that we have created you in vain? And that you would not be returned to us for judgment. Is that what you thought? Is that why you led your life like this? That it just makes no sense. Why would you, why would you Allah is saying, lead a life full of sin and disobedience, Unless you really thought there was no such thing as the day of judgment. And there was no such thing as life after death. Then you did this. Rather, most high, far above all, is Allah. Ta'ala, most high, above all. Al Malik is the king. Al Haq, the eternal truth. La ilaha illahu rabbul ashil kareem. There is no God but Him, the Lord of the gracious throne. Alright? This is the dua of tahajjud. Dua of tahajjud, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would say. Uh, uh, you know, Allahumma, anta rabbi la ilaha illant, khalaq, what's this? Wa'aduka haq, wa liqa'uka haq, wa jannatu haq, wa naru haq, wa nabiyun haq, the first part. Oh Allah, that you are absolutely true, wa'aduka haq, and your promise is absolutely true, liqa'uka haq, meeting you is absolutely true, jannatu haq, paradise is absolutely true, wa naru haq, hellfire is absolutely true. And the prophets are absolutely true. And Muhammad, the messenger of Allah, is absolutely true. Allah, to all life, submitted for you. I believed in you. I have relied upon you. I have turned to you. Um, and I have turned to you to make decisions in those things that we have differences of opinion. So forgive my sins that I have done. In the, in the past, those that I have done in the future, those things that I have done hiddenly, those things that I have done openly. You're the only one who can push someone forward, you're the only one who can pull someone back. None worthy of worship besides you. Right? So, Al Haq, this is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the dua that Rasulullah would recite in the morning at the Hajj time. Thus, whoever calls upon any other God with Allah, la burhan lahubi, for which he can never have any proof. La burhan lahubi, qaidit tifaqi, right? He never is never going to have a proof for that, for another God. 
Guess what? فَإِنَّمَا حِسَابُ عِنْدَ رَبِّي Then his reckoning is awaiting him with his Lord. Allah Azza says that to Rasulullah إِنَّ إِلَيْنَا إِيَابَهُمْ ثُمَّ إِنَّا عَلَيْنَا don't worry, Ya Rasulullah. You are not responsible for their misdeeds. You did what you have to do. You're not responsible. They're all coming back to me. Then it's up to me to take care of the reckoning. So here also Allah says that if you do if a person commits shirk, then Allah Himself is going to be awaiting to reckon with this individual. Indeed, the disbelievers shall never succeed. It seems that they're successful. That's what it seems like. They have people who disbelieve Allah, they seem to have the biggest homes. They seem to have the most money. They seem to have the most fanciest cars. They seem to have the most arms. They seem to have the most uh, the strength politically. Everything seems to be going for them. And that's what Muslims, meek Muslims will look at that. Well, Allah is, is, is telling us, what was the first ayat? How did the surah start? قَدْ أَفْلَحَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ SubhanAllah, what a way this surah ends. قَدْ أَفْلَحَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ Indeed, the true believers are the ones who are successful. And then the traits were mentioned. And now, what a way to end the surah. That the disbelievers will never be successful. What success you see, what meets the eye, is fake. It's not real. This is all going to come to an utter destruction. Um, rather say, My Lord, forgive me, warham, and have mercy upon me. And it is you who are who is most merciful amongst those who show mercy. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking us that you, He's teaching us here. Like we've taught us, similarly, um, <clears throat> similarly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here in this ayah is teaching us how to make dua that Allah please forgive me and have mercy upon me. For it is you alone who are supreme, far above all who are merciful. Talking about the fact that we are all sinful, we acknowledge that. But along with sinfulness, we have to match it with humility and humbleness. And say, Ya Allah, I'm not going to be haughty. I'm not going to act something that I don't have. I'm sinful and, and you need to forgive me. And inshallah, wa ta'ala, this, was, this is what's going to get us with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, the dua of rescue from the shaitan. Um, yes, inshallah, all those people who are, who are requesting for duas, if you could just message... Uh, the masjid phone number or you message at uh, info or office one of the email addresses inshallah you can get those duas um, so we have alhamdulillah completed over 13 sessions uh, surah al-mu'minun hamd. it's an amazing journey for all, for all of us who are, who've been able to join uh, those who are joining for once or join for all of them inshallah the next surah which will start next week bithinillah ta'ala is uh, connected with the uh, season we're in and it'll be surah al-hajj Although we are very sad that many of us who wanted to go uh, are not able to go. But in nonetheless, inshallah, wa ta'ala, um, uh, we hope inshallah that this reading of Surah Al-Hajj will be as best as we can get for those who wanted to go but can't go. And hopefully for those who are going, alhamdulillah, it will make, it will, it will, they will allow, it will allow them to remember us inshallah, wa ta'ala, in their du'as. Um, and, and just want to remind you, we're just one week away, inshallah, from our uh, annual retreat. Please, please make sure you are present uh, for that Friday, 26th of Maghrib. I know this is uh, wedding uh, weekend, from, so it's good. One way, there's thousands of people from across the country who are coming here. There are wedding, uh, are in the evening, at least come uh, 10, 11 a.m. when the program starts. We have extremely amazing topics. Every single topic is super relevant. The schedule will be released very soon. So uh, keep checking the website. If you have not registered, please do so. And uh, if you're coming from out of town, there are hotels that are quickly getting filled up across the street from us. So check, book the hotels from the masjid website. 
for a discounted rate, inshallah. And these are some of the topics that inshallah we'll be discussing, very relevant topics of how right and wrong is, uh, is being misrepresented in today's society and uh, moral shifts are changing. So if we don't address these head on, unfortunately the next generation will have no idea what right was and what wrong was. And if you have not, um, if you don't receive the tafsir messages, inshallah you can scan this and you'll receive a reminder for the tafsir, inshallah, which will continue again from next week. Uh, after Salat al-Maghrib, Surah al-Hajj, inshaAllah. There's a lot, dua request for Sister Shamim, who asked earlier today. Allah mughfir laha, warhamha, wa'afu anha, wa adkhilha al-jannah. InshaAllah, make dua for her and all, all others as well. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Allahumma t-salamu anka salamu atwarati adal jalali al-ikram. اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحسيث الآن عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم يا أحد الصمد الذي لم يلد ونم يولد ونم يكن له كفوا أحد ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكوننا من الخاسرين اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد صلاة تنجينا بها من جميع الأحوال والآفات وتقديرنا بها جميع الحاجات وتطهيرنا بها من جميع السيئات وترفعنا بها عندك على درجات وتبلغنا بها أقصى الغايات من جميع الخيرات في الحياة بعد الممات إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار ربنا أفرق علينا الصبر وتوفنا مسلمين ربنا لا تزق قلوبنا بعد هديتنا وهب لنا بلدنا كرحمة إنك أنت الوهاب ربنا آمن ربنا إننا آمنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار رب ارحمهما كما ربيني صغيرة رب ارحمهما كما ربيني صغيرة رب ارحمهما كما ربيني صغيرة لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين يا مقلب القلوب يا مصرف القلوب يا مثبت القلوب صرف قلوبنا إلى طاعتك يا مثبت القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم إنا نسألك رضاك والجنة وما قرب إليها من قول أو عمل ونعوذ بك من صختك والنار وما قرب إليها من قول أو عمل اللهم أصلح لنا ديننا الذي هو عصمة أمرنا وأصلح لنا دنيانا التي فيها معاشنا وأصلح لنا آخرتنا التي فيها معادنا وجعل الحياة زيادة لنا في كل خير وجعل الموت راحة لنا من كل شر اللهم إنا نسألك رضاك والجنة وما قرب إليها من قول أو عمل ونعوذ بك من صختك والنار ما قرب إليها من قول أو عمل اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل أبداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والنية والهدى إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم جنبنا الفواحش ما ظهر منها وما بطن اللهم جنبنا الفواحش ما ظهر منها وما بطن اللهم خذ بنواصينا الخير اللهم خذ بنواصينا الخير اللهم خذ بنواصينا الخير اللهم أقبل بقلوبنا إلى دينك اللهم أقبل بقلوبنا إلى دينك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم ربنا لا تزق قلوبنا بعد هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب اللهم إن نعوذ بك من أن يتخبتني الشيطان عند الموت اللهم إن نعوذ بك من أن يتخبتني الشيطان عند الموت اللهم إن نعوذ بك من أن يتخبتني الشيطان عند الموت اللهم يا حي يا قيوم إن نعوذ بك من شر أنفسنا اللهم إن نعوذ بك من شر اللهم إن نعوذ بك من شر أنفسنا اللهم إن نعوذ بك من إبليس وجنودي اللهم إن نعوذ بك من إبليس وجنودي اللهم عصمنا من الشيطان الرجيم اللهم عصمنا من الشيطان الرجيم اللهم اكفنا بحلالك عن حرامك وأغرنا بفضلك عن سواك اللهم ألهمنا مراشد أمرنا وأعذنا من وعيذنا من فتنة المحيا والممات وعيذنا من فتنة المسيح الدجال oh Allah we ask you to accept this gathering oh Allah we ask you to accept this gathering oh Allah we ask you to accept all our previous uh, lessons oh Allah anyone who for whatever duration was able to participate in any way shape or form in any of these majalis Ya Allah we ask you to allow their presence and their participation to become a means of our forgiveness Ya Allah and their forgiveness oh Allah make it a means of our faith becoming rejuvenated Ya Allah whatever khair and good has been shared in these past 13-14 weeks oh Allah we ask you to make it a means 
intentions of our hidayah and guidance. O oh Allah, allow the speaker and the listeners all to put into practice whatever khair and good was shared. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, we ask you whatever things, evil things we spoke about, we seek refuge in you from the evil of that, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, from the evil of this dunya, from the evil of the akhirah. O oh Allah, from those actions that will lead us to hellfire and from the hellfire itself and from your anger, Ya Allah, we seek protection, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, we ask you to grant us all steadfastness in our faith. Steadfast, steadfastness in our faith, allow our children to grant, be grant, granted steadfastness in their faith. O oh Allah, grant us all the muhabba of the Quran, muhabba of the deen, muhabba of Rasulullah sunnah, the muhabba of Rasulullah himself, the muhabba of Rasulullah's family, the muhabba of the sahaba, the muhabba of the pious of the past and the present, and Ya Allah, your muhabba. O oh Allah, make your muhabba more beloved to us than anything and everything else, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, make it easy for us to always constantly be remembering that we are in your presence and you are ever watchful over what we do. O oh Allah, allow us to have clean thoughts, allow us to have clean eyes, clean ears, clean hands and feet, clean minds. O oh Allah, every step of ours allow it to be towards khair and goodness, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, even if we extend our hand towards haram and forbidden acts, allow our hand never to reach it. Allow our feet never to walk towards there. O oh Allah, even if we are trying to find evil friends or our evil company is trying to push us towards evil, evil deeds, Ya Allah, I'll put a wall around us, put huge barriers between us and evil company, put massive barriers between us and evil company. Ya Allah, wherever direction we are pulled away from you, allow us never to be able to go in that direction even if we want to, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, push our heart and pull our heart towards your, yourself and your deen, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, allow our children to be raised up in the most appropriate manner, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, please, Ya Allah, make it easy for us to give them the proper tarbiyah. O oh Allah, our own tarbiyah is not made. Ya Allah, we ask you to grant us proper tarbiyah. O oh Allah, make our islahi, Allah, rectify us, allow us to lead a life in the way you want us to see. Ya Allah, you want to see us being leading a life. O oh Allah, please allow every action of ours to be in accordance to the teachings and the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. O oh Allah, inspire us to raise each child in a proper, appropriate manner. And allow all of our children to become the coolness of the eyes of the Prophet ﷺ. O oh Allah, allow every child of ours to become a confident Muslim, Ya Allah. Successful in this deen, in dunya, and akhirah, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, allow our sons and daughters, Ya Allah, to become the flag bearers of Islam. A source of, of, a source of Ya Allah, pride for Rasulullah ﷺ. O oh Allah, allow our generations to, to, be, to be accepted for the preservation of the deen, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, allow this institution and all its affili- affiliates, Ya Allah, and all its well-wishers, donors, uh, Ya Allah, students, staff members, musallis, Ya Allah, volunteers, Ya Allah, O oh Allah, and the families of all of them. O oh Allah, we ask you to grant them all ajr in this dunya and, uh, and, uh, and uh, rewards and uh, rewards in the akhirah. O oh Allah, protect all of them and their children and their assets and their health and their wealth and their homes and their iman, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, we ask you to protect us all from the evil effects of hasad, evil effects of sihar, evil effects of nadar, evil effects of our own bad deeds. O oh Allah, evil effects of the plotting of those who plot and the conniving of those who connive, O oh Allah, and those who, who, who are trying to harm the deen. O oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, to protect us all from their evil plots, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, we ask you to have millions and millions of angels, Ya Allah, of mercy descending upon this place anytime and all the time. Anyone who enters this four walls, allow their lives to be changed. Anyone who is connected in any way, shape, or form, allow their lives to be changed. O oh Allah, we're up against huge massive fitan, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, none can grant us victory besides you. O oh Allah, the deen is being misrepresented. Deen is being changed from inside. It's being made hollow, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, we ask you to grant us the ability to become steadfast and become the pegs of deen, Ya Allah. O Allah, accept this group of people, Ya Allah, to become the flag bearers of deen. Allow fail and the nur of this deen to spread from this, from this place to all corners of the world, Ya Allah. O Allah, allow the upcoming retreat to become a huge success and allow it to become the means of removing the darkness of, and of, of, of the layers of darkness, Ya Allah, of, 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 of misguidance. Allow it, to bring, allow it to bring nur throughout the globe, Ya Allah. O Allah, those who passed away, grant them forgiveness and jannah for those. Sister Shamimi, Allah, grant her jannah for those. Grant sabr jameel to her parents, children and her, those who 
who she left behind. All those from our community, our elders, our parents, our teachers. And across the globe, Ya Allah, whosoever has passed away, fill their graves with nur. Become pleased with them. Grant them the sadaqah jariyah of all the good that, we, that is happening here in this masjid as well. Oh Allah, those who are alive are amongst our, our sick people and our elders. Oh Allah, grant them all shifa. Grant them all shifa. Grant them shifa in long lives and, and healthy lives, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask Ya Allah, those who are suffering in their marriages or who cannot get married, Ya Allah, or who are suffering because they are married or suffering because of their children. Oh Allah, whatever types of difficulties they're going in their, in their personal lives, you're well aware of each person's issues. Oh Allah, financial, emotional, spiritual, Ya Allah, social. Oh Allah, you're most merciful. Anta arhamur rahimin. That is the last ayah we recited. Ya Allah, that have mercy. You are the best from amongst those who show mercy. Allah, we ask you to grant all of us mercy. Grant us your special mercy, both in this dunya as well as in the akhirah. Oh Allah, whatever permissible desires and needs the brothers and sisters have, we ask you to fulfill the permissible desires and needs. Fulfill the permissible desires and needs. Oh Allah, whatever khair and good Rasulullah had asked you of, grant us all that good. Whatever evil the Prophet had sought refuge in you from, grant us refuge from all of those things. Oh Allah, those brothers and sisters who've been consistent in listening and attending the tafsir online or on site, oh Allah, make their consistency. Ya Allah, a means of barakah in their ilm and the ilm of their children. Allow it to become a means of their children remaining steadfast in the deen. O Allah, those who are trying to be consistent, but obstacles keep on popping up. O Allah, facilitate it for them. Remove their obstacles from their path. Remove the obstacles from the path. Remove the obstacles, obstacles from the path. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wassalamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ameen, ameen. Wa jazakumullah khaira. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.